there's one question that the listeners at AI and industry or the readers of Tech Emergence are eager to know, it's where can AI make a difference in my business or my industry? What are going to be the critical advantages for our company surviving and thriving in the future where artificial intelligence plays an increasingly important role in who wins and who loses? That is kind of the question, if you will, and sort of the guiding principle of what we cover in terms of editorial, in terms of our, our interviews. Most of our listeners, probably yourself included if you're tuned in, although we have plenty of exceptions, are folks who work at large existing businesses that may not be machine learning experts. These are companies that have been around for a while and may have all kinds of other capabilities and experience, but not necessarily have robust chops in AI and data science. How do you bring machine learning into a business that has never used it before and actually garner some degree of ROI? actually move the needle on important business goals? That is the question that we need to tackle today. Our guest is Jeremy Barnes. He's the chief architect at Element.ai. Element.ai is a firm in Montreal, Canada, that's raised over $100 million, very famously has Yashua Bengio among kind of its founding team. And it's a large firm that's working on applying artificial intelligence in existing or boring or traditional, whatever word you want to use, businesses. So manufacturing, transportation, they have a number of different focus areas. And Jeremy speaks with us today about the right thought process for finding where AI might map onto a business's goals and really drive value. What are the ways that company leaders, without having to understand the technology, can understand where AI should or could be applied in their industry? And Jeremy also provides some insight on the difference between AI applications that can really move market share and really change sort of the nature of a business in a way that's disruptive in a positive sense versus applications of AI that might just incrementally improve efficiency and how to sort of sift and fish out between the two to maybe hopefully apply AI in a way that makes maximum impact. Jeremy has a lot of experience in this domain. There's been, from what he told me before we started recording, over a thousand inbound inquiries at the time of this recording to Element.ai from all kinds of businesses, and they're working with a tremendous number of different industries at this time. And Jeremy really does a good job of distilling the ways of thinking for an executive, a non-technical executive, to flesh out what might be the most impactful use of artificial intelligence to have your company survive and thrive in the five or three years ahead. So without further ado, this is Jeremy with Element.ai here on AI and Industry. So Jeremy, I wanted to dive into first sort of the ways of thinking about finding opportunity for AI within a business. I think companies now in all different industries, traditional businesses all over the place that maybe didn't have to rely on bleeding edge data science and AI in the past are now seriously thinking about it. You know, you folks at Element are obviously working pretty hard at being able to bring these technologies into traditional businesses. And I imagine that's kind of a challenge because it's tough to find a fit for a business that hasn't used these technologies in the past. What are the ways that you like to think through coaxing out opportunity for AI and what we might call a traditional business or a stodgy business? Sure. The way that we think about it is it's really important that you start with an actual business problem. There's a lot of people who are interested in using AI mostly for the point of just understanding how it works, which is great. But when you start to get to the point where the rubber meets the road, you want to make a significant difference with it, it has to actually solve an important problem. So that, from our perspective, that ideally means a problem which affects the overall quality of the experience that the product provides. 
So something which, you know, if, for example, AI was necessary to bring a new kind of product to market, which would be provide a much better user experience within that market, that's a great place to start. There are other problems. If a particular product, you're able to reach a more disruptive price point as well, that can often be an interesting way of using it. It's less interesting. You Occasionally, people are using AI for business intelligence, things like that, or you know, for complete automation. We find those use cases are a little bit less interesting because they don't tend to move market share by very much. They can be interesting to the company involved and they can help optimize things. But your better products are things that really move markets. And that's just as true in traditional industries as it is in the tech industries. And so we would encourage them to start thinking from the point of view of what are the things that we would love to be able to do that we can't at the moment. The second. Okay. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, I'll let you keep rolling. I've got plenty to think about here, but keep rocking. So the second thing, which is really important, is that we ask people to think about what would solving this exact same problem look like if AI wasn't involved? You know, if we were 20 years ago and AI didn't exist or it was not in the form it does at the moment, how would you solve this problem then? Often people find, well, we would actually be able to solve it just as well without AI, in which case, you know, what's the point? There's no point in bringing in this extra complexity and this extra potential failure cases and things like that. There has to be this intersection of something which is going to move the market and a problem which is addressable by AI and only addressable by AI. And those really are the sweet spots that we like to help the partners we work with identify and help them to figure out the most feasible way of doing that. Got it. Okay, cool. You touched on a topic that I think we had a a series of interviews a while back, we talked to maybe 20 or so folks who have a hard academic background in AI, but essentially serve as consultants to move into bigger companies and kind of build build out applications. And the big gripe there was around toy applications. That is to say, a project that gets kicked off because people want to quote unquote, use AI. How do we use AI around here as opposed to how do we solve an important business problem and is AI necessary? And it sounds like you're kind of hearkening to the same thing. You know, let's really make sure if it's going to be an investment, that it's something that really is going to require AI to solve and also is actually a problem that's really going to make a difference in the business, won't be just a petri dish to be able to say that we're doing artificial intelligence around here. Yeah, exactly. I think that in any investment, you have to have an idea of what you want to achieve with it, what the expected return is. In some cases, just learning a little bit about artificial intelligence, it's a valid goal. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with doing that. I think it's not that helpful to bring in a whole bunch of external people and to you know, try and get the best in the industry involved and yeah. uh, you know, talk to the, the best AI people possible. You're dipping your toe in is something that anyone can do if they provide enough space within the organization, but it's not going to probably take root. They're not going to learn much more from putting something on a few people's resumes and being able to talk a bit more intelligently about it. The real opportunity there is when there's major transformations and major shifts in market share that can happen from AI. And those, again, are the things which we think all companies should be thinking about when they want to use AI. Definitely. And we see that with kind of the biggest, most disruptive firms in the world today. I mean, you know, Facebook, Amazon, Google, do we really have them if they weren't predicated on artificial intelligence, if they didn't deliver the kind of experience that they deliver because of the AI that they leverage? 
Probably not. You know, in terms of major examples of AI disruption, we just look at the biggest companies with the fattest profit per employee on the planet, and we can kind of see some good examples of that. But you had brought up something really interesting, Jeremy. You mentioned that automating existing processes or using AI for business intelligence, you just don't see as really moving the needle as much as really drastically bringing the price to a new competitive level, which I assume would mean finding some way to reduce it, although maybe finding some way to make it luxury and make your margins higher. I'm not sure what you meant there, but I'm interested. And then secondly, you had mentioned changing kind of the experience of the product, so to speak. These are sort of higher, loftier concepts, but you made an interesting distinction between those two things and business intelligence slash automation. Talk about the difference between you know what maybe you, you're articulating as kind of nominal incremental improvements versus big market share moving kind of developments in AI. I've never heard it articulated this way, so I'm interested in your thoughts. So from a perspective of automation, it's one of the ways of improving the ability of a firm to you know, deliver what it delivers there. And if market share is mostly dictated by price points, then automation can be a great way to use AI to move markets rapidly. So it's not that automation is not interesting. It's more that the ability to make people more productive is far more important than the ability to kind of have less people. And that's simply by the fact that if you uh, automate a person away, the maximum you can save is their salary. Whereas if you make people much more efficient, you know, you can multiply their value by several times. Oh. So there's, you know, there's a distinction of, of kind of understanding the goals there. Business intelligence, things like that, that is typically used to make more incremental improvements as part of you know, being operationally efficient like that. That's tends not to use the advanced high-end AI. And it normally should be something that, you know, a combination of internal expertise and point solutions or specialist solutions that are available on the market can do. You know, we're in the business of providing differentiated AI to the people we work with, and there's you know, relatively less fertile ground there with respect to those applications than there are you know, with the development of new product categories or making things that were impossible possible. Okay, got it. Maybe to put some color on this, because I think living and breathing this, Jeremy, I think you probably can see in your mind what you mean when you say business intelligence. And I want to try to transfer that vision into someone else's head. You know, when you mentioned there might be more out of the box things, you don't necessarily need to be using screaming edge artificial intelligence to figure out some application in business intelligence. My assumption when you say business intelligence is like, okay, forecasting inventory may be a little bit better, uh, coming up with some degree of predictive analytics around sales in some way, shape, or form. When you say business intelligence, I guess, what do you mean? And you don't have to use any particular companies, but if you could just use an example in a hypothetical business, I think that'd be helpful in terms of what you mean by this more incremental BI application of AI. Yeah, so what I'm talking about there is really uh, backward-looking, where the goal of the AI system is to provide extra insight to a person who is going to make the decisions themselves. Things like forward forecasting and particularly your optimization of supply chains based on top of that, optimization of manufacturing schedules, optimization of logistics chains, things like that. Those are very interesting uses of AI, which can make a huge difference. 
from our perspective, that goes beyond business intelligence. You know, we're moving oh, from the okay. descriptive all the way to the predictive there. And that's a key input to the optimization of those processes. So by business intelligence, I'm certainly not saying that your know, optimization of supply chains is you know, forecasting of time series is not interesting. They're some of the most interesting applications overall. But they're forward-looking. They're designed to optimize something going forward, not just to provide insight on something that happened in the past. Got it. Yeah. And, and the lingo is all new here, huh? So different people mean different things when they say business intelligence. But I guess what you're talking about is business intelligence as a descriptive, backward-looking process, which, as you may be rightly put, is not necessarily the most cutting-edge application of AI or really even something that you would inherently require AI for, while, of course, forecasting and being able to be legitimately predictive in terms of sales or inventory or manufacturing pipeline or whatever those would be maybe the more cutting edge real deal applications, not so much the descriptive stuff that can probably get done without AI in general. Exactly. Got it. The one extra point I'd make there is that often companies will start from the data that they already have easily available. And often that data is in a BI tool, which is used for those things. The first analysis, that looks like a natural place to start. But we think those companies can be a lot more ambitious in, in what they want to do and can get much better value than just starting there. Yeah, because people only have, you know, X available at hand, they might assume, okay, well, I guess we'll have to start with this, but that might be kind of a a limiting place to get kicked off because it might not get you to where you want to be. You had mentioned also this idea of kind of leveraging AI to really, I think the term was, and again, it was a very open concept, but I'm, I'm interested in putting some color on it, kind of changing the experience of the product, so to speak. It seemed like maybe it was kind of customer facing when you were articulating that, but you were talking about basically this broader category of AI applications that is more market share moving, that is more big picture impact and less sort of smaller efficiencies in terms of how AI can be used. Again, in terms of putting some color on that hypothetical example in a hypothetical business, or maybe you can even use one existing at the Amazons or Googles that all of us already know, what did you mean by that? I think it's curious to understand, you know, you brought up a great point. If you automate someone away, you remove that job, okay, you save that salary. If you can make the return on a certain person go up by two and a half percent, then maybe that's astronomically better than just having a machine do their job. What did you mean by that? And I guess what's a, a maybe a tangible example of what that looks like? You know, take an example, which everyone probably knows. Yeah, sure. sure. Uh, let's say that you're in the service of delivering parcels and you know it's a fairly cutthroat business. Oh, yeah, yeah, if yeah. you If you can, say, get the cost of delivering a parcel down by 10%, that's going to move your market share a little bit to a certain extent, but that's not going to set the world on fire. If you're able to, by the use of AI to optimize everything, have a a service which can deliver under six hours to 80% of the the population or something like that, that's a service which people are going to use because it provides just a massively better customer experience. So that's an example of not an AI service, but probably to put that in place, you would be using AI in all kinds of places in order to make it possible. And those kinds of applications there where it's kind of powered by AI, but it's serving the customer better, are the things that can lead to massive market share changes and really, really huge creation of value. Got it. Okay. And maybe the way that I've sometimes heard this articulated, I just want to make sure I'm on the right page with you, Jeremy, is you know, if a company looks ahead you know, two years, five years, maybe farther and says, 
you know, what are sort of the critical advantages that would be our sustainable advantage in the market, that would be our sustainable value proposition in the market to garner additional market share, to grow and expand as a business way beyond where we are now, that maybe if those can be identified, it's possible when those are identified to see which of those does AI maybe map onto in a way that other technologies can't, and that maybe that would be the farther reaching, bigger picture changes of AI rather than just chipping away on efficiencies for data visualization or chipping away on efficiencies of you know getting rid of a couple paperwork jobs. Exactly. AI doesn't always have a part to play, but increasingly yep. it does in you know more and more of the crazy ideas which you know, great companies have and are able to put into practice. Yeah. And we do a lot of work in order to help, you know, to help companies dream and understand how AI fits into those dreams and make them a reality. That's a very pivotal thing. And I think I'll actually kind of close out on this, Jeremy, because your insights here are going to be pretty interesting. What you and I are articulating, it is predicated on an executive or team having a couple things, having a clear conception of what their strategic advantage is moving forward, of the ways that they could gobble up market share, of the positioning that they have in the marketplace and how that could be furthered and their competitive advantages and whatever. That's one. Number two is the kinds of problems that AI can solve. Having these folks have some degree of a grasp on the kinds of problems that AI can solve. And maybe three, some sort of precedent of different types of applications in different areas. So they know what might be able to plug in, what cutting edge ideas might be able to fit their way in. To get executives up to speed on fleshing out the possibility space of AI is a challenging issue, right? Because I think most executives now in traditional businesses either think, all of AI is a shiny object and maybe they should be doing all of it or that it's all BS. And of course, neither of those is true. If you have an understanding of what kinds of problems AI can solve, there are some that are of genuine value and some that are complete garbage. How do executives level up their skills to have those requisite understandings to map out where AI could make a difference? It seems like a challenging thing to get a grasp on. How do people level up their grasp of what kinds of problems can AI even solve and what kind of precedents are there in the field? The most important thing from an education perspective for companies to understand is there are not that many people still, you know, there's more as people are finishing their PhDs and things like that, but there are not that many people who have the breadth of experience to be able to both understand the business well enough to you know, identify opportunity and to be able to validate it, but also understand the world of artificial intelligence. The artificial intelligence where it works really well is there's a combination of subject matter expertise. You know, and often that can only come from someone who's spent 20 years at a company and you know, understands it inside and out. Yeah. And certainly no new graduate is going to have that. But the combination of that with the artificial intelligence tools to be able to structure a solution and someone who understands those tools deeply as well. The part of that, the AI part of that, is essentially applied research. And that's the place where these companies have the hardest time finding the right people there. In order to educate people, then, you know, I think the most important thing is that to understand that a little bit of humility can go a long way in order to getting uh. things done. <laughs> and so it's probably not possible for most companies to seize the opportunity which is available in the traditional way. And that means thinking how these communities, the AI community works. Things are done out in the open. Research is done out in the open. There is very little patent protection. 
companies like Google are publishing their algorithms as fast as they possibly can so that no one from Microsoft, say, will scoop them on it. And the research is done on open data sets, which are often provided by large companies who most people would consider the data to be very secret. So the ability to understand how the AI progress is made and what motivates people to work on it and how to combine that with the really, really valuable expertise that comes from those organizations is the most important skill that needs to be developed is the ability to navigate that that kind of ecosystem there. Uh, Yeah. So the core lesson here, certainly we need subject matter expertise within our space, but certainly we also need kind of the degree of specialized skill that we may not have in-house. We have to be able to find a way to kind of marry those two and understand that building out an AI application is different than kind of plugging in another one of our many IT tools, that this is in fact sort of a different experience altogether. It sounds like that's a kind of a major take-home message here. Exactly. And I think the other important thing is AI is so broad and there is so much potential opportunity. It's very, very easy to get caught up in the shiny objects, but the successful uses of AI tend to be fairly directed at solving a particular problem. And so it's really important that there is a mindset of identifying what the problem is and solving that in the most efficient way, as opposed to this concept of you're building out a broad capability, building out a data lake, putting in place a consistent platform, things like that. Those kinds of activities, although they're very, very enticing to organizations, they cost a huge amount of money and they very rarely deliver value. It's much more worthwhile to go into an AI process with the idea of doing a single thing and doing it really well, that's important to the company, than it is to having AI broadly. Broad AI will come, but it comes from multiple successful uses of AI as opposed to kind of building it in a waterfall model from the ground up. It has to be agile, the expertise has to come probably from outside. In that way, it can work really, really well. Got it. Okay. Nice closing note on that, Jeremy. And I think those are important points to chew on for the listeners. Jeremy was being very kind about his mention that a little bit of humility goes a long way. I I take it that that point should not be glossed over from the folks who might not have expertise in this domain and who it certainly would not behoove them to close their mind off to the experts that may have a deeper grasp of this space at large. So Jeremy, thank you so much for being able to share your insights with us here on AI and industry. That's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's all for this episode on the AI and Industry Podcast, where we explore the applications and implications of AI in your business or industry. And when it comes to those benefits of real insight in terms of artificial intelligence applications in business, this show is really just the tip of the iceberg. AI and Industry is produced by Tech Emergence, and over at techemergence.com, you can find actionable industry-specific coverage, including case studies, unique market research with charts and graphs, and regular coverage of the AI applications of both the hottest startups here in the Bay Area, as well as what Fortune 500 companies are doing with AI today. Everything from marketing and advertising, business intelligence, to specific industries like finance and healthcare, you can stay ahead of the curve and stay on the right side of disruption by visiting techemergence.com. And when you're there, make sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter on the left-hand side of the page. Uh, Most of our podcast listeners get the episodes directly to their inbox 
every week. You'll be joining tens of thousands of other business leaders who join us from all over the world to stay ahead of the curve of AI in their specific industry. So that's techemergence.com. Uh, I'm Dan Figella. This is AI and Industry, and we'll catch you next week.